Would you turn with me this morning in the scripture to uh, verses that we've looked at previously, 2 Timothy, the first chapter. 2 Timothy 1 and 5. He says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in you also. He said it was in your grandmother, it was in your mother, I'm persuaded it's in you too. What's in you too? Faith. But he uses a qualifier. What kind of faith? Unfeigned faith. The Woos translation says unhypocritical faith. Unhypocritical. If there's an unfeigned faith, what else must there be? A feigned faith. If there's an unhypocritical faith, what else must there be? A hypocritical faith. Three different translations, the New Living and the Century and New King James says, I remember your genuine faith. If there's a genuine faith, what else must there be? Yeah, a counterfeit, a false. Uh, Three different translations, the uh, basic English, easy to read, and others say, I remember your true faith, true faith. And that's the title of our series, True Faith. If there's a true faith, what else must there be? A false faith, a fake faith. And that's what's been uh, confusing to a lot of people is there's been a number of things that people have called faith. And it actually was a disaster. They call themselves being in faith and stepping out by faith and doing something in faith. And it didn't work. And people wound up hurt or dead. And it brought reproach. And people say, well, see, that so-called faith stuff, there's nothing to that. Well, no, faith in God cannot be bad. Can God fail? Can His Word fail? Well, then real faith in the Word of God and God cannot fail. So it's not a matter that sometimes faith works, sometimes it doesn't. It's not for everybody. It's a matter that a lot of what people have called faith has not been real faith, has not been true faith. It's been feigned faith, pretend, imagined, confusion, any number of things, but not real faith. Now the scripture also says, we've looked at this, but in uh, 2 Corinthians the last chapter, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, the NIV says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. This is 2 Corinthians 13, 5. The Good News translation says, put yourselves to the test and judge yourselves to find out whether you're living by faith. The New Living says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Are we to check up on ourselves? Examine ourselves. Test ourselves. Are we to, when we're supposed to be in faith, are we to examine ourselves and going to hold on? Am I really in faith? Is this really faith? 
is this real faith or is it imagined, feigned, pretend? You know, we studied how that the Lord directed the uh, his people to go up and take the land, the promised land. And they cried and talked unbelief in their tents. And, and so he said, all right, well, then turn back and go back into the wilderness. And then they saw they had messed up and they said, no, no, we'll go now. We'll go. He said, no. I said, don't go. I said, go into the wilderness now. They said, no, we're going. (laughs) So they got their arms and they went up the hill. The Bible said they went presumptuously. So what they were calling faith to go take the land was not faith at all. It was actually rebellion against the word of the Lord. It was presumption. So we're talking about this in this series, what is true faith and how to examine ourselves if we are in true faith. You know, another scripture that talks about this, it says, uh, Proverbs 19.2, don't turn there, just listen to it. Proverbs 19.2 in the New Living Translation. It says, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they're angry at the Lord. (laughs) See, people get all enthused about something, but they don't have knowledge of the Lord about it. And then they rush right into it and make mistakes. And mess up their life by their own foolishness, but then get mad at the Lord. Well, Lord, I was believing you. Why didn't it work? Well, where you believe in him? You know, like we've said before, faith is not based on nothing. I said faith is not based on nothing. Faith is based on the most solid foundation in all time and eternity. On the unchanging, unfailing word of the Lord. If you're going to trust him for something, you can't just say, I'm going to believe the Lord will do this. Did he tell you he would do that? Unless he told you that, you can't believe it. You can try to. You can imagine. You can pretend to be in faith. But faith in someone is based on what they told you. Faith is not based on nothing. It's based on the Word. That's why Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of the Lord. We looked up those words. Faith comes by hearing the anointed utterance. Or utterance of the anointed one is the best way to say it. The message Bible of that last verse we just read says, People ruin their lives by their own stupidity, so why does God always get blamed? (laughs) I think we'll read that again. That's Proverbs 19.2 in the message. People ruin their lives by their own stupidity, so why does God always get blamed? Well, he shouldn't, should he? He should not. Go with me, if you would, to uh, Mark, the 11th chapter. And then we'll look at Psalm 20, if you'd find those two openings. Mark 11 and Psalm 20. In Mark 11 and the 22nd verse, we're familiar with this Mark 11, 23 and Mark 11, 24. Such wonderful scriptures from the, from the mouth of Jesus, words from Jesus' mouth about faith. But notice verse 22, how he began. 
Verse 22, Mark 11, Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Say that out loud, please. Have faith in God. Faith in what? In who? Faith in God. We must not rush past this. This is so important. Faith in what? In who? In God. I want to talk to you this morning about faith misplaced. Misplaced faith. Can you put your faith in the wrong thing? Can your faith be misplaced? Trusting in something or someone you ought not be. Where did he say put your faith? Have faith in God. You know we've received a number of letters along this same line throughout the years of the ministry. People said well uh, the Bible said let your requests be made known. So I'm letting you know what I need. We haven't received several along that line. <laughs> I'm letting you, I need this and I need that, usually financial and material. I need this and that. Well, is that what the Bible said? Let your request be made known unto Brother Keith. <laughs> or the church. Huh? What did it say? Let your request be made known unto God. What a big difference. Right? And yet, why are people so often going to each other, letting each other know what they need? Why? Because natural people are more real to a natural-minded individual. Right? I can see you. God, you can't see It takes faith to look to him. But I can see you. So I'm going to come to you. I saw you pull out some money. I know you got it. (laughs) You know, there have been people that, you know, during prayer, come up and kneel down beside somebody they know that's got money. Pray out loud. And kneeling right beside him, you know, oh Lord, you know, you know I got to have that thousand dollars by the end of the week. You know I got to have it. I got to have it. Thousand dollars. <laughs> and Lord, I know you're faithful. I know. And I just, I pray you move on somebody. <laughs> Lord, Somebody that will listen to you. Somebody that will obey you. (laughs) Well, that's just a con. Isn't it? That is not faith. (laughs) Say it out loud. Faith in God. Faith in God. Proverbs, excuse me, Psalms 20. Psalms 20 and verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses. Of course, that was the, uh, some of the main military equipment 
of the day. It'd be like saying today, some trust in uh, tanks. Some trust in uh, fighter and bomber aircraft. Some trust in intercontinental ballistic missiles. Are we trusting in that to keep us safe? You got a real mixed emotion on that. (laughs) Because I wonder what portion of the country is. Just looking totally to that. But we will remember what? We'll remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen. Who? The people that just trust in the chariots and horses. But we are risen and stand upright. You know, there's a lot of talk right now about uh, who's going to save the country. You know, the presidential race is afoot. What man or woman is going to lead us out of all our difficulties? What man or woman is going to save the country from all of its troubles? I can answer that for you this morning. (laughs) None of them. (laughs) I said none of them. And the more of the country that gets their eyes on a natural Savior and off of God, the bigger trouble we'll get into. And the further down we'll sink. And you'll find faithless people are always looking for somebody to take care of me. Faithless people are always looking for somebody that's going to fix my problems. Well, this is going over real big, isn't it? Is it true or not? And you see the country divided up that way too, aren't you? There's a whole lot of folk that, you know, we want to put somebody in there that will fix all our problems. It will take care of us and, and meet all of our needs. No, friend, that person is called God. <laughs> not the U.S. government. God. Now, granted, I mean, it's good for us to do things that help people, but... Man cannot meet all of man's needs. Can't. Oh, but those that trust in the Lord, put their faith in Him, put their trust in Him, they'll not be ashamed. They'll not be disappointed. Even in times of famine, they'll be satisfied. When the government can't meet your needs, God still can. You know, there were a lot of stories of tragedy and problem and mishap with Katrina and New Orleans but there were a lot of good stories too and the people that sat around and waited for the government to save them those are the sad stories but there were a number of people that stepped out by faith they didn't wait for the government to come in and help and there were a number of other people that didn't wait on somebody they stood up and started believing God and they had miracles I said they had miracles and it should be a real lesson for us Who's our Savior? That's too weak. That's too weak. Who is our Savior? God. Gee, who's our provider? Who's the one that protects us? Yes. So our faith is in Him. Our trust is in Him. Can you say amen? Jesus said, have faith in God. In who? In God. Go with me to Second Chronicles, please. 
Second Chronicles, the 16th chapter. I'd like to get into some things that a number of folks seem confused about, as the Lord would allow us and as time would allow. What we're dealing with, though, is not placing our faith in the wrong one or wrong things. We are never, ever to say to any man or woman, you're my only hope. If you don't come through, I'm done. You're my only hope. If you don't give me the money, I'm going under. You're my only hope. If you don't fix it for me, how many understand you are in trouble? Because man can fail. And you do not have to resort to begging. Believers are not beggars. Because we don't have to. It's not because we're too proud. We don't have to be. We got a God who can meet our needs. Yeah, He uses people in a variety of situations, but we never have to look to them. And even if they don't obey Him, He'll use somebody else. He's not limited by them or one or two or three. I said never, ever look at any man or any woman, any professional, anybody in any realm of life and go, you're my last uh, hope. You're my only hope if you don't do it for me. How many understand at that point your faith is misplaced? You're not looking to the Lord. You're looking to them and you're in trouble. Now here's an example of a man who did this. Second Chronicles, the 16th chapter. Are you there? Second Chronicles 16 and verse 12. This is about a king named Asa. The Bible said, Asa, in the 30 and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease... He sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And verse 13, what happened? Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign, and they buried him. He made a mistake here, didn't he? And what was his mistake? In his distress, in his disease, he sought not to the Lord... But to physicians, now to even read this is to create tension with a lot of folks, isn't it? And a whole lot of people even in times past have said, well, you know, uh, especially at the turn of the century, a lot of people that believed in healing preached against doctors. And they used verses like this to support what they said they believed. Let me make it very clear, myself, Phyllis, we here at Faith Life Church, are not opposed to doctors. We thank God for them. They're fighting the same thing we are. They're trying to help people get well. Right? We're particularly thankful for doctors and nurses and specialists in health care that are believers. How many of you have been helped some way by a health care professional? Let me say, yeah, that's what I thought. We're thankful for them. So what was the problem here? Was it the problem that he went to the doctor? Hmm? He sought 
Now notice the language. In his disease, in his trouble, he what? He sought not to the Lord. He didn't just go to the doctor. He left the Lord out of it. Oh, can you see that? And this is particularly an issue because he already knew how to believe God. He, this man, had believed God against impossible circumstances and saw God move in an amazing fashion. And yet later on, he quit looking to the Lord and started looking to man. And it, this is just one of the areas that he did it in, but it cost him. How many understand if you put your faith in the wrong thing and the wrong people, you can wind up perishing? Let's back up and read some of this. The 16th chapter, let's back up to the 14th chapter. 2 Chronicles 14. 14, 14.9. This is how he began his reign. Early in King Asa's reign, this happened. There came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian with a host of a thousand thousand. That's a million soldiers. And 300 chariots, they came to Marisha. And Asa went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephatha at Marisha. They are outnumbered. They are outclassed in battle terribly. And Asa cried to the Lord his God. Who did he go to? <laughs> there wasn't anybody else to go to. <laughs> He's just getting started. He cried to the Lord. He said, Lord. It's nothing with you to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you. Oh, do you hear the words? What's he say? We are resting on you. We are depending on you. We are. Who else was he looking to? There was nobody else to look to. They're facing annihilation. Ain't nobody else can help them at this juncture. Against an army of a million? In your name. We go up against this multitude. Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. And the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah. And the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them to Gerar. And the Ethiopians were overthrown. And they could not recover themselves. For they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host. And they carried away very much spoil. Did they trust God? Did they see a miracle? Now skip on over to the 15th chapter. 15, the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. They've had this great victory. He went out to meet Asa, and he said to him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you'll seek him, he'll be found of you. But if you forsake him, he'll forsake you. Does the Lord know the end from the beginning? I mean, everything's wonderful. He, they've trusted God. They've seen a great miracle. But here comes the prophet saying, the Lord is with you long as you'll be with him. And if you seek him, he, you'll find him. But if you forsake him, he'll forsake you. Why would he tell him that? He's warning him, isn't he? Because he knew what was coming up. Down in the 16th chapter, we read it, but let's start in the beginning here. In the 6th and 30th year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent he might let no none go out or come into Asa, king of Judah. And Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that dwelt in Damascus. He said, there's a league between me and you as there was between my father and your father. I've sent you silver and gold. Go break your league with Baasha, king 
king of Israel that he may depart from me. Ben-Hadad hearkened to King Asa, sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. They smote Ijan, Dan, Abel, Malam, and all the store cities of Naphtali. And it came to pass when Baasha heard it, he left off building a Ramah and let his work cease. And Asa the king took all Judah and they carried away the stones of Ramah, the timber wherewith Baasha was building, and he built Geba and Mizpah. At that time, Hanani the seer, the prophet, came to Asa king of Judah and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord your God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host and very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you did rely on the Lord, somebody say rely on the Lord. Because you did, he delivered them into your hands. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein you have done foolishly, therefore from henceforth you shall have wars. Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in prison. He was in a rage with him because of this thing. Why? Because it was true. He knew it was true. See, in the beginning, he trusted God. God worked a miracle for them. He put his faith in God. Later on, he got lazy. And later on, he had some money now. Oh, come on, can you see this now? And a smaller army comes against him. And instead of trusting God and praying like he did last time, he just pulls out his checkbook. And he says, I'll just write a check and hire them and they'll make them go away. But see, failing to trust God in one area carries over into another area, doesn't it? And just a few verses later is where we read that he got sick. And in his disease, he did the same thing that he did with the protection of the whole country. He didn't even ask the Lord. He didn't go to him and ask him what to do. He just put his confidence totally in man and he perished. Oh, can you see this, friends? We thank God. Like we said, for our doctors and for our health care professionals. But God did not give them to us as a replacement for him, our healer. And sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I believe prayer can help uh, with what the doctors are doing. You got it backwards. Uh Uh-uh. No, prayer and faith is not a help. To the healing ministry of the doctors. Doctors and medicine are a natural help. To God who is the healer. Come on now can you see this? And no we're not opposed to that. You know people get all upset about operations and about medicines and all these things. No I can take you to scriptures where the Lord told people to use medicines. You know, I had a fellow one time, he was saying, they talked about a procedure, and he was upset about it. And he said, I want to trust the Lord, and I want to trust the Lord. And I I knew he was, he's not in faith. We're still talking about true faith. He's afraid, and he's confused. And so finally, I came and sat down in his office one day, and I said, uh, called his name. I said, a few days ago, you had a splinter in your finger. He said, that's right. Because he kept saying, I don't want to use means. And I said, well, where is that splinter? He said, I got it out. I said, what would you do? Uh, He said, I took a needle, and I took some alcohol, and I took some tweezers. I said, isn't that means? I said, sounds like a surgery to me. (laughs) Why didn't you just believe God for it to disintegrate? 
<laughs> so people are confused about things. They're doing things and saying they won't do this and they're inconsistent. No, what should we do? We should be led by the Spirit. But even if we, a man or a woman or something is helping us in a natural area, we must not just get our eyes on them. Come on now and say, you're going to fix this for me. You're going to take care of this for me. Because no man can be our provider. No man can be our healer. No man can be our deliverer. God is our deliverer. How many believe that? God is our deliverer. Say it out loud. God is my healer. God's my provider. God's my deliverer. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I, whether it's a lawyer, whether it's a uh, doctor, whether it's a government leader, or it's a president, make up your mind. I'm never getting my eyes on any man or any woman and saying, you're going to fix it for me. You got to watch businessmen, listen to me. Everybody, listen to me. Watch about that one deal that's going to fix me for life. That one deal that's going to solve all our problems. Ministers and pastors, listen to me. Watch about that one partner, that one person that's going to support you and all your church needs are going to be met from then on. Listen, you're going to have to look to the Lord the rest of your life. You better get used to it. And don't do like Asa. And you started out walking by faith and having miracles. And then you got some things and got a little cushy. Got a little comfortable. And quit believing God. And just going to try to look to man and solve everything naturally. That's how he died. Early. Young. No. He is our source. We refuse to put our faith in men and women. And just look to them and go, you're going to fix it. No. You got to watch about this medicine. Is going to save my life. This medicine is going to fix everything for me. This diet is going to fix everything for me. This deal is going to fix everything for me. How many understand? If that's what you're doing, your eyes are off of God and your eyes are on this thing and this thing is going to save us. Now, how can you identify that? People get too excited about the natural thing. They come to you and go, oh man, I found it. I found, I got this book. And this book tells me about this diet. And this book tells me about this medication. And boy, this is it. This is going to save us. Somebody comes, I got a deal. I got this deal. It's going to save us. This deal. They're too excited about it. Hmm? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why? Because it has become the Savior. It has become the healer. And your faith now is misplaced. God uses men. He uses women. He uses things. But He's the one doing it. He's our provider. Stand upon your feet, everybody. Say it out loud. Father God, I pray, forgive me for ever misplacing my faith, looking to people, looking to things to save me as my total answer. Forgive me. I lift up my eyes. Off of men, onto you. You are my healer. You are my savior. You are my provider. You're my deliverer. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. We will remember the name of the Lord our God. 
Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.